Amen. That amen is that you won't have to listen to me for about seven, six, seven months. All right, it's good to see you all here today. Why, we had a great service last Sunday. 991 in attendance. And today we hit the bottom with 300 and something in Sunday school. Uh, you know, when you have a mountaintop experience, Ah, Bahalana, you're going to head to bottom the next day. So always remember that in Christian experience, after a mountaintop experience, you will have some difficulties, you'll have some testings and some trials. Follow the children of Israel, and you'll see that is true. Today I'm going to speak on a subject, and I've entitled it, Till we meet again. Now that's a nice. That's a nice one, isn't it? I told Mrs. Shot what she what I was going to speak on. She said, "I don't think I'm going to go." I said, "Then we're going to sing till we meet again." She said, "It seems like we've been singing that all of our life, <laughs> and it is true, but it's not. It's not that bad." In the book of Philip. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 26 and 27. I'd like to spend our time this morning not on just uh, reminiscing, but like spend our time in in a real good Bible study that we we come to church for. You know, on TV you've got just about anything that you want or don't want, and uh, You've got the computers with all of their nets and internets and webs and spiders and cockroaches and whatever else that they come across with. But we find that when you come to church on Sunday morning, while some people uh, don't understand why they come to church, some people come to church to talk, some people come to just laugh and giggle and cut up and look at their fingernails and, and a few other things. But we come to church to study God's Word. We've got the whole week ahead of us. And we need what God has in the book for us. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts through the word of God this morning. May the Holy Spirit do his work. May our hearts be open, receptive, submissive to Thee for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, in chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 1 through 30, I'd like, to, I'd like to read it, but we're going to be going back over it quite a bit, and uh, so I'm going to dispense with reading uh, it at this particular time, but we find in the book of Philippians, it is talking about uh, Christian experience. Now, Christian experience is what is happening on the inside of you, regardless of what is happening around you. In the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, while he was in prison, under Nero, and he was going to be killed. Yet in the book of Philippians, it talks about rejoicing. It talks about victory. It's a shout of praise. It is not a uh, poor me type of thing, but it is a... He had a Christian experience on the inside of him, whether he was preaching to the multitudes or whether he was in jail, or whether he was 
in the innermost area of a prison with his feet and his hands in the stocks as it was in Acts chapter 16 and at midnight they sang praises unto him. And so Christian experience is not what is happening around you, but it is that which is happening on the inside of you. In Philippians, Paul was uh, talking to us about the right Christian experiences. The right Christian experience. We are so bombarded by tradition, by uh, this super evangelism. We are so bombarded by ideas that biblical Christianity is almost unknown in our day and in our time. And it permeates, it comes in and fills even our church. We see this on Wednesday night at the prayer request time. We see this whenever there is difficulties come along. And so I'd like to just call your attention to the fact that right Christian experience is having Christ. Christian experience is having Christ in these four chapters. There are four particular things. In chapter 1, as we look just at verse 29, we find that Christ is the believer's life, where that we can rejoice even in suffering. In verse 29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. That means suffer rejoicingly. That means suffering acceptably. It does not mean that we suffer and gripe and complain and, and uh, pray that we will get out of all of our suffering, but it is a matter that Christ in us he is our believer's life, and as a result, we can suffer rejoicingly. In chapter 2, we find that it is the believer's pattern, and especially in verse 7 and 16, we find that we can rejoice in lowly service. So many of us, we can be so happy when we are the number one person. We can rejoice when everybody is singing happy birthday to us. We can rejoice when we, but Christian, real Christian experience, Christ becomes the believer's pattern, his, our example, who rejoiced in lowly service. In verse 7 of chapter 2, it says, "...who made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men." Look at verse 16. "...holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I had not run in vain, neither labored in vain." Christ in us. And then we find in chapter 3, and we'll read verses 1 and 2, but we find that in chapter 3, Christ is the believer's object. And we rejoice despite our imperfections. Because he said in chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concession. Beware of anything that you see around you that is a lot of perfections. In chapter 4, we find Christ is the believer's strength. As we read verse 4 and 13, we learn to rejoice in overcoming anxieties. Anxieties. Anxieties that mean, will the plane be late or will it crash? Anxieties mean, will I have enough money to go to the doctor? Anxieties mean, 
Is my husband true to me? Anxieties is anything. The devil has a whole host of them. And yet we find in chapter 4 and verse 4, he tells us rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Then in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, you know, our right Christian experience is in Christ. It is not in Mary. It is not in church. It is not in baptism. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That was Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but, but, by me. 1 Timothy 2, 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, himself man, I should say, the man Christ Jesus. I almost quoted the Roman Catholic version of that. In the Roman Catholic Bible it says himself man. It's there. And so we find that uh, usually I read the paper. Yesterday's Manila Bulletin on the front page had this particular Two articles, one right under the other. And since it's probably too small for most of you to read, unless some of you need me to hold it out this far away from you, uh, it says, Marion writes, led by cardinal sin. So what's new? Well, nothing new, except we find in the Manila Bulletin on three articles. Uh, this is September the 9th on Saturday. Uh, there's an article by Cardinal San, who happens to be the number one leader of the Roman Catholic Church in the Philippines. We find in this particular Marian rites led by Cardinal San. He goes on down and says that he urged Filipinos to seek help and strength from the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary is a symbol of bright hope. Uh, he gave this at a homily. I always hated to eat homily, but I guess homily is like a sermon or a sermonette. At the Immaculate Conception Parish, and as I've often said, you either leave the parish or perish. Leading the Mar- uh, Marian devotees, Cardinal renewed the people's fidelity and affection to the Virgin Mary during her 215th birth anniversary. What do you know? They know exactly how old she was and when she was born. And then in the on page 6 it continued, uh, free advertisement, Marian movements. Uh, she sin encouraged the faithful to emulate Mary. Uh, Down in the next paragraph, it says, Mary has shown us. In the next paragraph, Mary shows us. She opens the way. And we find that last August, sorry to have to tell you this, but last August, sin consecrated the country and people to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in a prayer service seeking her intercession to achieve peace in Mindanao. I was wondering why we had no peace down here. But you read your Bible and you'll find that uh, having idolatry is one thing that keeps us from having peace in the world, not just in the Philippines. And then we find that in that particular article, he used Mary's name nine times. Christ, He mentioned, voila, none, zip, 
none whatsoever. And then over on page 11, the Manila Bulletin, with their views, comments, and features, they had a picture taken of Cardinal Sin about 10 years ago, about like I do, you know. And uh, But his article is, Mary, symbol of hope. This is the homily delivered by his eminence, not eminent, but eminence. Jaime L. Cardinal Sin, D.D., Archbishop of Manila, on the occasion of the Holy Eucharist for the Jubilee of Women and Marian Movements at the Immaculate Conception Parish, Pasig City, on September the 8th, the year 2000. And he starts out, and I just counted the ones in the, in the English part of the uh, article, and uh, we find that in this particular article, he brings uh, out the fact that Mary is a part of our lives as Filipinos. We turn to Mary because our Christian faith points out her importance in our lives. And we find that she is a living symbol. She's a symbol in many ways. She's a symbol of sublime obedience. And it goes on down and talks about that. And as we celebrate the the 200 or the 2,000th year jubilee of the Lord's incarnation. We also celebrate the 200,000th jubilee of Mary's fiat. I didn't know she had a car. Uh, and trust in the God's promises. And it goes on down and it talks about, and it uh, in this article he uses Mary 15 times. She, he uses Mary 15 times. And besides that, he used the word she and her, mother, virgin, our lady, queen of the earth. I don't know whether they, they uh, degraded her or what. She used to be the queen of heaven. Now, now she's the queen of earth. But anyhow, our hope, our guide, she used that, he used that 16 more times. So 16 and 15, according to my Oklahoma theology, is 31 times. 31 times in this, in this brief, in this brief, uh, sermon, sermonette that he preached. Couldn't take very long. It only takes about 10 minutes to read it. And, uh, he used her name or referred to her by she or her, or these different names, 31 times. And I counted the name Jesus, Lord, Christ, four times. Four times. You say, I thought we were talking today about till we meet again. We are. We're going to study Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, I, I took the time, after getting my paper yesterday, took the time to revise my sermon today, and I began to count how many times uh, you mark it in your Bible, would you? Take your Bible and, and count how many times. In verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, that's one, and to all the saints in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that's two which are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. In verse 2, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's three. And in verse 6, we find being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You keep counting, I lose track. In verse 8, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Another time. In verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ. In verse 11, being filled with all the, with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And then we find in verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ, not in Nero, not in Rome, but in my bonds in Christ, 
That's another time. In verse 15, some indeed preached Christ. In verse 16, the one preached Christ. In verse 18, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. In verse 19, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In verse 20, the latter part, So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Verse 21, For me to live, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Verse 23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by for me by my coming to you again. Verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In verse 29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his name's sake. He counted them. There's 18. By the way, did you happen to count how many times Mary is mentioned? Law. None. You see why I'm a Bible Baptist? You see why that I, I don't believe that we better follow traditional or emotional Christianity because it is not going to be real Christianity. Cardinal sin and the Pope, they talk about good Christians. The Christian life. They talk about all that. And so we have to add a word to it and call it real Christian experience. And so we find that uh, the, the word gospel, by the way, is used uh, in six different times. In verse 5, 7, 12, 17, twice in 27. Now, in the Marian rites, led by cardinal sin, he refers to Mary 19 times more than he does to Christ. Because he doesn't even refer to Christ one time, so you could multiply that. In his page 11 homily, it was 31 times to 4 that he mentioned Mary instead of Christ. And only then did he mention Christ as more of a you know, a subordinate to the mother of God. We get a lot of our traditions, we get a lot of our uh, wrong ideas biblically from our traditional uh, religion here in the Philippines. And so we find we need to study our Bible to see what real Christianity is. And then when you want to have a Christian experience, because now you've got Catholic or charismatic Catholics. And they, they follow the Pentecost, they wave their arms and they, they praise the Lord and, and uh, say hallelujah while they drink their beer. And, and oh, we got a lot of things going on out there in the world and they call it, and they call it Christianity. They call it a new life. They've been born again. Almost every politician gets born again before election time. But be that as it may, in chapter 1 of the book of Philippians, we come now to our message. Since Mrs. Schott and I are going to be leaving for the States for six or seven months, and I'll be honest with you, words cannot express our mixed feelings. To see our loved ones and friends in the States, our kids and our grandkids, brothers and sisters, What's left of our uncles and aunts? Cousins by the dozens? We're going to be leaving. We're going to be excited to see our loved ones and friends at the same time when we leave Dalval. We leave part of our heart here. And you know I can't afford to do that. We're leaving the church. We're leaving each of you. 
And all we can say is that we love and appreciate each of you, and we want you to know that our concern is still here. On a positive note, we are confident in the leadership of Brother Ingai. We're also confident in the help and wisdom of the directors. We're confident in the accepting of responsibilities by the staff and all of our workers. And certainly we're appreciative and we have confidence in the patriotism and spirituality of each of our members. So until we meet again, and by the way, I'm not through preaching yet. Till we meet again, let us be biblical about what we are to do, not just emotional, traditional, and I added another word, egotistical. Egotistical just simply means what you think, regardless of where it comes from. Well, I think. That's just about as good as saying, well, tradition says, or we might say something else. But we need to be biblical. Not emotional, but biblical. Not traditional, but biblical. Not egotistical, but biblical. I have five things I want you to remember that we need to do. Number one, let us pray for each other. Let us pray for each other, biblically, in verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Verse 9. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in the knowledge and in all judgment. In verse 19, we find, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In verse 7, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. Now, we need to pray for each other. Prayer was basically... Now, remember this when you fill out your prayer request Wednesday night. Prayer was basically, in the Bible, study the prayers in the New Testament, and you will find that they are basically, primarily... For the gospel, in other words, spiritual. It is true in verse 7, they prayed for his bonds. But how did they pray? Did they pray for him to be a free man? Did they pray for him not to be tormented or persecuted? How did they pray for him? I believe that it was... It was not just to be free. They did not mention just the physical benefits. And oftentimes we pray for the spiritual so that we can have a physical benefit out of it. I'll never forget one of our high school boys teacher back in Bolivar, Missouri. Two of his high school boys got saved. Both of them were named Elijah. Elijah Ernest, Elijah Albert. And they were just about as ornery one with the other. They got saved one day. And he led them to the Lord. And when I got through and the boys went out, he came to me and he took me by the hand with both of his hands and he said, Praise God they got saved. Tears were running down his cheek. And the next word was, Now maybe they'll behave themselves in my class. <laughs> now that, that put a damper on, on my joy as far as him concerned is, was concerned. But oh, how many times we pray for spiritual things only that we might have financial, material, physical well-being. 
most of our prayers that we pray one for another is for health or wealth or position. You find one of those in the Bible for me, please. Let us pray biblically. Let us pray one for another. When Mrs. Schott and I go back to the States, certainly pray that we'll have a safe journey. I don't mean to take that out. But that should not be the only, the primary, the basic, the most important thing. The most important thing that you can pray for is that God will use us to win people to Him while we are gone. Second of all, let us fellowship in the gospel. Let us fellowship. In verse 5, it says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, so many times people, people as a family, they get their family to be in church. They love to have all of their family in the church regardless of whether they're living like the devil all through the week, or what, just as long as they all belong to the same church. Where are we anyhow? Where did we get that idea? What value is it if your children or your husband or your wife or one of your loved ones are a member of the Bible Baptist Church and die and go to hell? What value is it? Our kids can commit adultery, does not bother us because they're a member of our church. My friend, where is your thinking? Where is your theology? You did not get that from the Word of God. Fellowship. Fellowship is not just a matter of who you like and who you do not like. People come to our church and they get angry at somebody and they go join another church. And then you ask them why. Oh, because there's sweet fellowship over here. Oh, fiddle on your sweet fellowship. Our fellowship should be in the gospel. In the gospel. Look, if you would, please, to 1 John. In the book of 1 John, we find in verses 1, I mean chapter 1, and verse 3, and verse 6. Chapter 1. 1 John, I'll find it in a minute, verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Who's talking? John is talking. He did not say that when you come into the church, you're coming in so that you can have fellowship with somebody else. My friend, it is not good for you to spend all of your time just with your barcada in church. All of our activities in church, out of church, ought to be that we might have fellowship. First of all, John said with us, <clears throat> and in verse 3 he also made mention and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. My friend, what value is it if you go to church and all you do is have fellowship with your barcada, with a relative, with somebody that happens to be near you? What value is that if you have no fellowship with Jesus Christ? Christ in you, regardless of what is going on around about you. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. What is it about lie that you don't understand? What is it about no that you don't understand? First John chapter... 1 verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, as he is in the light, 
not as your barcada walks in the light, but as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, <clears throat> I think this would be a good place to read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Be not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? I talked to our young people. Tell me something. What fellowship can you have at the, uh, what do they call them? The web cafes or the network cafes where you uh, surf the web and get what you want to, pornographic material, you that may be involved in some uh, nefarious activities as those video games. What, what, fellowship, what fellowship can you have? You mean you, you have fellowship with God? when you come to church and when you kneel and pray and you ask God to bless your food, if you do, and you call yourself a Christian, a Christian is one who is Christ-like and yet you spend your time on the web, you spend your time with the video games, you spend your time and your money, you substitute knowledge for that little seemingly excitement. No, my friend, the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye a separate people, saith the Lord. What fellowship? Our fellowship is in the gospel and for the gospel. By the way, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1 through 4, we, it defines the gospel. The gospel is not what cardinal sin talks about. The gospel is not some traditional hullabaloo. The gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It ought to be marked and memorized by everyone who calls themselves a Christian. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Boy, we love to leave those things out. We love to have the idea that just as long as I made a profession and was baptized, it does not matter whether I ever opened my Bible or whether I ever talked to anybody about the Lord. It does not matter whether I pay any attention in church or whether I, I'm thinking about other things and doing other things, even in church, let alone out, outside. No, my friend, the Bible says you are saved if you keep in memory. And then he said, what I have preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all how that I also received, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, including mine. According to the scripture, not according to some person. And that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scripture. And so we find we need to have fellowship one with another and it defines the gospel. And remember that 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 and 21 it says that it hath pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And in verse 21, he tells us how that uh, just about the same thing, and I forget what it says. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. I don't care who you are. If you're going to make heaven your home, you can't do it by becoming a Bible Baptist. You can't do it by having a code of ethics. You cannot do it by 
a certain standard of living, you're going to make heaven your home when you realize you are a sinner, you repent of those sins, you trust Christ and Christ only, who is the Savior, who will come in and live with us and maintain us until we get to heaven. This is real biblical fellowship, is in winning people to Jesus Christ by the gospel we preach. <clears throat> we do many things around here. <clears throat> we do many things around here to be able to get a crowd. So we can preach to them. Even some of our parties and outings and, and activities that we have is to attract people. But we as leaders should never forget that our fellowship, real biblical fellowship, is like real biblical prayer. It is something spiritual. We thank God that we had 991 last Sunday. Today we had 398. Boy, Jesus healed ten people and only one came back. He said, where are the nine? I'm almost tempted to say, where are the 600? <laughs> We've got 398 today. Where's the 600? Where are the 600? We have a outing. We have a party. We have something. And, and we have people who go to that, but they will not come to church. My friend, we as... Leaders will always be problems with that. When we have something to eat, why well, we always have more, more than when we have nothing to eat. We'll have more tonight than we will probably next Sunday night. And we probably had more last Sunday night than we will tonight because we had something probably better to eat last Sunday than we did this Sunday. Be that as it may. We expect that. We know that. But in our mind and in our heart, and in our purpose, we recognize that we as leaders and workers and members of the church let us fellowship in the gospel. And thirdly, let us have confidence. In verse 6, one of my favorite verses, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Don't use that as an excuse. Don't say, well, you know, everybody sins, but everybody has their problems, but I'm confident that God's going to see me through. Now, you may be just as deceived as Judas was. Judas must have been deceived. I can't feature anybody doing that directly, but be that as it may. Look, if you would, please, to verse 14. In verse 14, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. Now, who, whoever waxed confidence because they saw somebody in jail? I mean, when I see, I see people in jail, <clears throat> I think, oh my goodness, I don't want to go there. In Baptist history, this day in Baptist history, I've read that book two or three times. And one, one jailhouse stands out. That's the Culpeper Jail in Virginia. <laughs> if you've ever, if you are acquainted with that book on this day in Baptist history, the Culpeper Jail is a place where that God tested many of His men. Culpeper Jail was the pulpit of multitudes of people that got saved because the preachers in Culpeper Jail while they tried to kill them, they tried to uh, different ways, yet they would preach through the bars. And if they finally raised the wall up high enough to where the preacher could not see out, then the people on the outside, when they came to hear the preacher, they would put a white flag on a stick and wave it until the preacher appeared and started preaching over the wall. My friend, 
people, we find that people have confidence in people that are in jail, in bonds, when they have a certain particular attitude. In verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of the faith. Now I know that. I know as long as God gives me breath, I have confidence God's going to let me be here to help further your joy in the faith. Confidence means trust. It means faith. It means assurance. It means a reliance. Let us have confidence. First of all, in verse 6, in Christ. Where is your confidence? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, after verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. For, verse 10, we are his workmanship, created unto good works. Ephesians 2.10 Now let us have confidence in Christ. Second of all, let us have confidence in the preacher. In verse 14, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. You, you will have that. We'll come to that pretty soon. Now, in verse 25, let us have confidence in the gospel. In the gospel. In verse 22, it made mention, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. This is the fruit of my labor. Now, you have confidence in the gospel, there's going to be souls saved. Because the gospel is the story of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the story of how that Christ, who was the perfect God-son, the God-man, died in your place and my place and the place of every man, woman, boy, and girl ever to be come upon the face of the earth. We find that people are going to be saved. They're going to believe in Christ because your praying, your fellowship, your confidence is to single out and to see people saved. Second of all, having confidence in the gospel <clears throat> results in suffering believers rejoicing. I just picked out three words. <clears throat> it means that when we have confidence, as we have confidence, each one of us have confidence, we're going to see people saved, and second of all, we're going to see suffering believers rejoicing. You know what we see now? Somebody gets saved, they don't even come to church Sunday night, let alone Wednesday night. Oh, you know, I had to study. Oh, I, I, had, I had something else to do. Man, they're not even suffering. Somehow they missed it. They missed seeing, knowing. Either we as personal workers or preachers, we, we missed, we missed something in teaching and leading and guiding those people because when people get saved, why they begin to rejoice. In verse 26, it says that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. In verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now when people get saved and they make a profession of salvation, they begin telling people about how they got saved. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Should we not teach them that? Should we not stress should we not impress upon their minds that when you become a child of God in this godless, sinless, 
or sinful world in which we live where there is no friend of God except those who love him. Should we not teach our fellow brothers and sisters how they are going to be treated in the world? And thirdly, as we who are having confidence in the gospel and we begin to help people and we ourselves make decisions. Now listen carefully, workers and members and staff. We begin to make decisions on the basis of what is right, what is God's will, instead of what is our pleasure or our benefit. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, he had a good start. You have to have that attitude before you can say the next verse. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. In other words, I'm going to win people to Christ. I'm going to teach them to rejoice in the things of the Lord. He said, this is my fruit. Yet what I shall choose, I wot, W-O-T means I'm not for sure of. That's what it means. It means I don't know which way I ought to go. I don't know what to choose. For I am in a strait betwixt two. Strait is a narrow passage. He can choose either way and give evidence that it would be the will of God. But he said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh. Now remember where Paul was. He was in prison with the rats and the fleas. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Number four. As I hasten, my time is up. Let us love. Let us love. I like verse 7. Philippians 1, 7. For I have you in my heart. I have you in my heart. How many people do you have in your heart? Oh, you probably have a lot of people in your heart that you love. Paul said in verse 8, I long, I long after you. Now this, in verse 9, and I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. In what? In what? To your children? To your children's education? To your children's well-being? to the physical things of this life, that your love may abound yet more and more. This is not just a physical, material, earthly thing, love. But verses 9, 10, and 11, it, it, it tells us about it. In knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Last but not least, let us understand. In verses 12, But I would, I would ye should understand, brethren, what has happened unto me has happened, has, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. In verses 12 through 18, opposition is real. You know, opposition to real Christianity is real. We live in a world where the majority of the people, especially the people in leadership, in news, in power, they have this say-so in our world. They are opposed to Christ and his gospel. We that believe the gospel according to the scripture, we are very few. 
Even Paul said in Acts 20.30, Also of your own selves shall men arise, leading people astray. And how true it is. In verse 15 and 18 here in chapter 1 of Philippians, we have pretenders, and we need to be bold. Verse 20, Nothing, in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness. That with all boldness. With all boldness. We need to be bold. We have to speak the truth. Remember, pretenders are people who can pretend about anything. People that are pretenders can pretend about anything. People come into our church, they pretend to be your friend until they borrow money from you, and then you find out they are not your friend. Remember, pretenders can pretend about anything, and real Christians cannot pretend about anything. Remember that. If you remember that and practice that, I guarantee you when I come back, we'll all be happy. Amen? My conclusion is in verse 27. Only let your conversation, that means your deportment, your conduct, your actions, your conversation, that means everything about us. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. As it becometh the gospel of Christ. Nothing blesses my wife's heart more than for her to get a new hairdo or a new dress and her husband looks at it without a shock of dismay on his face, but with a pleased look on his face, say to my wife, almost in her ears, Honey, that is very becoming to you. You understand what becometh means? It is something that is pleasing for you. It is pleasing to you. It is something that pleases Christ. And so let your conversation be pleasing to Christ. Shall we stand for prayer? I'd like to ask Brother Ingai if he would give the invitation at this time. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we extend the invitation this morning, we have heard the Father, the preaching of thy word in the book of Philippians. We need to realize that Christ must become a part of our life. Not only part of our life, but our, our life in itself. May we, Lord, as God's people, come to know the, the power of Christ, like what Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Lord, may we continue to desire the pursuit of holiness in our lives. We pray for the lost to be saved. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remain standing for the invitation this morning. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, may you come and accept him, Christ, the only Son of God. He died, he was buried, and he arose from the grave to provide life for us. Christ is the only hope we have in this life. The hope of glory. If you're not saved, we ask you as we sing the first verse, would you please come and be saved. Come on. 270, just as I am. Verse 1. Would you come this morning and be saved? Come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let him become the light. Your light. Right now. You're not saved. Why not come and be saved this morning? Open your heart. Your life. Lord, be my life.
Savior this morning. Let him come and be saved. Save your soul. Come and be saved. Come on. If you're here and you're saved, you know you're, you're saved. But as we have heard the message, how we need to let Christ reign in our hearts, in our desire. All desire was changed, and that is to please the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. Only let the gospel of Christ becomes the rule of your conduct. Now, rule you in any way. Go burn your life, your thoughts, your actions. This morning, your child of God, you may need to come for prayer. You may need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Let him become the master of your life right now. Maybe you need to come to surrender a sea in your life. Why not come as we're saying the second verse? Would you please come? Come on. To say yes. Before it's too late, say yes. Come on. Come on. Is there anyone here? You're not saved or you need to come for prayer. You need to come to surrender your life. How about you this morning? Say yes. Come on, before it's too late. Come on. Say yes. Say yes. Come back. You need to come. You need to come and surrender your life. You're not saved. Come and be saved before it's too late. Come on. Just say yes to the Lord. Pastor, I'd like to let Christ have his way in my life. Would you please come? Come on. God is moving the hearts of men and women. We have a work. We have a work to do. This church has a great work to do. We can never do it until all of us, every individual member of this church, will feel the responsibility. Would you just simply say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to use me in any way you want. I do not know how how much I can be used in the service of the Lord, but I just simply come and say, I, I feel there is there is more that I can do that I have neglected. There is more that I need to do. Most especially if you are not saved this morning, you ought to come and accept Christ and experience the joy of salvation as we extend one more verse. Please do not tarry. Come as we sing this verse. What verse? Verse 4. Verse 4. Would you please come? Come on, right now. Just Say yes. How about you, Christians? How about you, the battle? Mom and dad, young people, each will come. Say yes. Say yes. How about you? How about you? Yes. We need to work here. to extend one more verse. I just felt God leading me to extend it into one more verse this morning. You know, I told the young married couples class this morning, we're going to have Cousin Sunday and many of us are just to make it straight to the point this morning because we're running out of time. How many Christians neglect the responsibility? And I just could say to this Christian, there are a lot of Christians today living Selfish Christians who are living their life as Christians. It's all enough for them that they know they're saved, they have a church, but they do, do not simply care for the lost, their loved ones. Friends, if you're not doing something for the salvation of your loved ones and the lost people around you, 
You are a selfish Christian. And today is the time for you. As we sing one more verse, the last verse we're going to sing. Would you please come? Verse 5. How many selfish Christians do not care for the loss, for the weight of God? Just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to be used for your glory and for your honor. Come on. Promise to God that you will be used in the service for His glory and for His honor. Would you please come? Come on. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes to God. that God has spoken to each of your hearts and that that heart is open. Perhaps you're here and you need a church. At any invitation you can come into the fellowship of the church uh, as the church receives members, but you need a church home. This evening, Two o'clock, we have a young people's meeting of the officers, the advisors of the young people, number one. Who else? That's it? That'll cover it. Two o'clock. Where? Downstairs in your room. All right. Next to the kitchen. That gets young people. Then at five o'clock, we have the pre-service. And uh, then at uh, 6 o'clock, we have the evening service. And so, be here tonight. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and mercy to us. We ask, dear God, that you would take the word and bless it to our hearts. You know our each need, and we commit it unto thee. Father, we know that everything about us, each one of us, is well known to Thee. You are recording everything we do and everything we say and everything we are. Someday we'll meet that record, and only in Christ will we ever be safe, let alone saved. Bless us now as we part ways. Thank you for our first-time visitors and our many-time visitors, pray, Lord, that our spiritual needs might be met and we recognize our responsibilities in it. For Jesus' sake, amen. God bless you. Shake hands one with the other. And we'll see you this evening, this afternoon.